Right. So um, I am uh, regrettably in mourning uh, for the last good YouTuber, and I include like all all of your faves, uh, any YouTuber who's been on the show, uh, chumps, including myself, uh, in comparison to uh, the late, the great Fed Smoker, uh, who, if if you don't know, um, uh, regressively lost his life. It appears uh, the the day before we recorded this. Um, not a well-known man, but uh, he was uh, chiefly notable for screaming at things, uh, at cops, <laughs> calling cops child molesters. Um, <laughs> okay. D- doing surgery on himself. Uh, I-, I-, I venture to say that he invented single-handedly the genre of video of a guy in his car yelling into his phone. <laughs> um just an I- extremely normal man, but like the hatred that he had in his heart for uh, police was incredibly, incredibly admirable. Uh, Flights of Angels sing him to his rest. I will be posting his videos nonstop until uh, Doomsday. Uh, his current YouTube uh, name is Filthy Churches. So if you'd like to go see his most recent post, yes. it's under oh, the name Filthy Churches. He kept changing his YouTube uh, account so no one could follow him and posting a bunch of like one second videos uh, that have, say, 200 views and one like. And they're all genius, genius well, work. It's that we were talking about this earlier. He's, we have lost, we have essentially lost the closest thing our generation will have to a Hunter S. Thompson. Yes, yes, he was too weird to live. But I thought he was playing real life with God mode enabled. I didn't think he could die. Um, but I, you know, I, I, they, they posted the picture of his fucked up car with like the tape all over it and stuff. Uh, and like, there's just this tarp and a hand sticking out of it with a jug full of piss in that hand. And in that moment, I knew that the world had become a little less entertaining and I, it's all downhill from here. I regret it immensely. Well, you know what? He's screaming at the angels now. Yeah, Crosshairs on all the child molesters in heaven. You know what, Fed Smoker, you keep you watch the skies, I'll keep an eye on the ground. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Hello and welcome back to this bonus episode. Bonus of Trash Future Podcast. It's the Patreon. Mm. Um, and we're voice all... gets really unsettling each time you do like, it. I, I do it it's now. This is, yeah. this is this is this it's this is this is what people listen to it for. They yeah, want to be like since, ever since I made fun of him for being like you didn't do the voice on one of the Patreon episodes. He's been doing it every time. Yeah, you know, you fuck around and find out. That's what you get. <laughs> That's what you get in Trash that, Future that Season is, Two. That is the Fed Smoker energy that we're trying to convey. Uh, that's what we're carrying forward. We may not yes. pull out our own teeth or scream at ambulances, but uh, we can do this. And um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm recording actually in the past because when you're listening to this, um, I will be swooshing down a mountain, uh, enjoying a ski holiday, as opposed to sitting in this basement. Enjoying what I call a me holiday. Uh, that's right, folks. It's the wow I get out of my house and get away from my damn ex-wife. Um, no, no, no. So we are here today in this bonus episode talking about Roger Scruton. Um, Another dead guy, and, but not a cool one. And yes, like Fed Smoker, he's dead. But unlike Fed Smoker, he sucks. Just, just uh, watch. Just doing one of those uh, d- uh, tweets that when someone famous dies, where it's like another famous person is up in heaven to welcome them. Roger Scruton <laughs> gets to heaven, and, cha- and and fucking Fed Smoker is there to call him a chomo. <laughs> no, come on, it's the other way around. It's Ro- Fed Smoker That's gets true. to heaven, and Roger Scruton is waiting with like a with like a nice glass of wine. And Fed Smoker is just like shaves his own head and shouts something. <laughs> about you know corrupt CNN. However, before we go further down this road, I must uh, add that I'm joined by Nate in studio, manning nope. the boards ably. Hello, here again. Alice in mourning. Yes, in mourning, wearing all black. Uh, I, I I will never be the same again. And we're also joined by friend of the show, Nathan Osteroff Spicer. Nathan, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Uh, I am probably one of the few people in the world who uh, knows Roger Scruton. I know yeah. him really well. Mm. You, if you if you I'm an expert, if yeah, you, you know a man, you must read all of the books that he has written, 
that were intended to be yelled about, but never read. Damn. Sun Tzu Machiavelli. Yeah, the moment I heard that he died, I spent uh, every waking moment at my job uh, reading, reading Roger Scruton and every single obituary that was ever written about him. Conservative fed smoker. <laughs> He's incredible. No, no I, don't, I don't respect this comparison. <laughs> I'm going to change my, my Twitter name to conservative I, fed smoker. I, I'm going to parody redacted you in real life, man. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're, we're talking all about Scruton. And a lot of a lot of, of ink has been spilled, posting and non-posting wise, about exactly how much of like a awful sort of intellectual lightweight and sort of personally hypocritical fascist he was. That is not what we're going to talk about today, broadly speaking. Yeah, that's instead, basic. We don't care. Instead, uh, and Nathan has helped us out uh, very much by supplying much of the underlying materials here. We are going to talk about what a strange man Roger Scruton was. Mm-hmm. So, um, before we get into his actual strangeness, I'm going to go over a couple of the things that you need to understand to get his philosophy. Yes. Who so, is Roger Scruton, or was? So, so well, I'll, I'll start with some of his thinking. Um, he's a conservative intellectual who's cause, who was more published in sort of popular paperbacks and, and, and journal, uh, not even journal articles, like popular articles. And if you want to know his philosophy, just I, I, I found this, or Nathan sent this to me. Of the Grenfell disaster, Scruton said in 2019, if it hadn't been so ugly to begin with, the whole problem would never have happened. <sighs> Normal thing to say. So Grenfell, Grenfell was burned down because it was ugly. Mm. Uh, and that's why. If only it had been uh, a, a fucking uh, gothic cathedral, this would never have happened. <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame intact to this day. Yeah. I can say that... Uh, as a scrutinite and uh, someone who has read him extensively, that, a scrutinizer. If yes, you will. absolutely. Yes, uh, I can say that Roger Scruton. This this fits exactly within his over. It, it's well within his metaphysics, epistemology. Is that um, Doric yes. columns make things better by magic? It's true. I do, um, I do think that you'll see in not too long from now the repudiation of everything Scruton stood for in this regard when. Since the federal government has mandated that new federal buildings in the United States can't be modern architecture, they have to be like weird neoclassical kitsch. <laughs> One of them is going to have a horrible fire escape problem, and there's also going to be like a nightmare blaze that claims the lives of lots of people. And Roger Scruton's philosophy will have been but, completely so, annihilated. Are are you suggesting we're heading for a triangle shirtwaist Department of Defense situation? <laughs> um, so also in 2014, he referred to uh, fascist uh, British politician Enoch Powell as quote scapegoated. For being the sole voice of dissent from the post-war consensus. Yeah, but that's Eating just power normal. Being an open white supremacist. That's normal boomer shit, right? Like yeah. that's that that's hey, for for this alleged provocateur, he's really pretty boring. Aside yes. from the weird stuff that we'll get into. Exactly, and and so if you want to sum up his philosophy, it's some version of one or two of those things, which is Enoch Powell was right, and um. All you need to do to prevent catastrophic like fires with many much loss of life is Doric columns. Doric mm. columns, more Doric columns. <laughs> By the way, uh, his love for Enoch Powell was so deep that he later claimed one of his, his prized possessions was Enoch Powell's hunting scarlet. Oh, cool! Yeah. As like a, a, a primary relic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he basically he's like those weirdos in Bristol that worship the fingernails of the slaver yeah. Edward Colston yeah, yeah, yeah. to this you, day. You just like you you venerate this thing. It's it's very cool. I yeah. do have to put in here that uh, in one of the obituaries written in honor of Roger Scruton, peace be upon him, that <laughs> uh, when he went out and uh, murdered foxes in his Enoch Powell hunting jacket, the first time he wore his. Uh, Enoch Powell hunting jacket. It split up the back, and this was hilarious. And oh, that's this was put in as a positive thing huh. about him. Uh, so well, it's like whenever they have a really hot girl in a movie, they need to make her clumsy, and it's like everyone's going to be too intimidated. <laughs> yeah. Roger Scruton Roger wouldn't be Scruton. relatable. He was too hot. Roger Scruton takes that, off the glasses. Roger Scruton has like conjured this personality as this man of letters, but in real life, he was just constantly doing Chris Farley pratfalls everywhere he went. Bumbling ass. Oh, we are going to find out so many different types of Roger Scruton that have existed. But this is the last couple of things about his modes of thinking because I'd like to leave them behind because they're boring and stupid. Whenever he's criticized, he likes for being like a fascist. fascist yes. Um, he always says that 
people who fall into this category are constantly told that, quote, and this is something you sent me, Nathan, their ideas and sentiments are reactionary, prejudiced, sexist, or racist. Because they are. Just by being the thing, just by being the thing they are, they offend against the new norms of inclusiveness and non-discrimination. Their honest attempts to live by their lights, raising families, enjoying communities, worshiping their gods, and adopting a settled and affirmative culture, these attempts are scorned and ridiculed by the guardian class. Which does not have a settled or affirmative culture, but instead engages in some kind of rootless cosmopolitanism, I guess. Yes, some kind of Marxism of the yeah. cultural variety. And what, what strikes me about this is that it's like, you're able to take, you know, all, you're able to look at like the BNP marches or whatever, and you're able to just, and Roger Scruton is there to just take that and say, no, this is just, pe this is just people who want to respect the country. And you know what? The Guardian class hates you for respecting your country. And so it's a way of getting people who just like are kind of just patriotic without really thinking about it too much to side with the BNP. Sure, oh, because, yeah. because yeah. they're just, uh, um, you know, they're, they're just existing organically and everything is like in reaction to them. Uh, they're small beans who are being bullied. I think a big part of this definitely is the fact that uh, Roger Scruton serves the obvious function of legitimizing and laundering uh, whatever is coming out of some right-wing thinker out there. Yeah. So it's really just his purpose. Same thing as Ben Shapiro, Dinesh D'Souza, and as someone who has read all of them extensively, I like to consider <laughs> myself a man of many talents, uh, I cannot tell them apart. Mm. No. And I, I believe this may be offensive and may offend some people in philosophy, so I'm very sorry. Look, they're all different kinds of cool kid philosophers. I love <laughs> the idea that you're basically the Gandhi, like the the Prometheus of fucking of academic philosophy that you're constantly tortured having to read a new asshole along the lines of Ben Shapiro <laughs> or Roger Scruton. And then you basically like once once you've been purged of this, a new one emerges. Like yeah. a liver growing back to be ripped out by an eagle. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah, sometimes it'll be just like Hans Hermann Hoppe, for example. It'll be like, oh, no. Mm. So, but I think Scruton's whole career can be summed up in those three selections. It w Grenfell deserved to go up in flames because it didn't have enough arches. Enoch Powell has been treated unfairly for the last 50 years. And anyone who criticized me is a hysterical person who hates things that are obviously good. We're not going to focus on those elements anymore. Yeah, because if he um, was that smart, he wouldn't have been dead, huh? <laughs> yeah. So it's also worth saying, though, that like liberal commentators up and down the country, like um, they all love to talk about how he quote unquote mellowed with age. Which but it's not true. It's not true. He 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 kept being like this for his entire life, and the way he comes up with his nonsense is quite interesting. This is a note on his method. And this is a passage I've taken from his book on sexual desire, oh, on good. whether or not chastity is a sexual perversion. Oh, good. This is going to no, be so normal. Here's the thing. Everyone has read the part of on sexual desire where he's like, yeah, when a woman masturbates, I want to fucking jump off a building because I feel terrified about the idea of a clitoris. Like, he just thinks more arches, less clitorises. Um, so it would seem. And mm. so he's... But I, I want to focus on a passage that isn't read all the time, because I think this really sort of explicates his method, his approach to philosophy. True chastity, he writes, is not a perversion. It is for, not weird. <laughs> <laughs> for it involves not the deflection of desire from its personal object, but either the overcoming of desire or the control of its overt expression. The unchaste soul may be able to perform the sexual act. He still may live in the world of desire, motivated by it in everything, not fulfilled, but frustrated in his loneliness. True chastity is a project designed to restrain the sexual impulse, to safeguard it against obscene abuses, so that the full intentionality of desire may grow from it and in due course be released towards its goal of fulfillment. This is basically just a bunch of warmed-over Aristotelianism, where what he does is make a bunch of wild assertions about what true chastity is, what a perversion of something is, and then sort of quite assiduously avoids thinking about any kind of material factor underlying what any of these things could be or why they might have existed. It's basically lazy phenomenology. It's very normal for me to wear my Wi-Fi-enabled cock cage, actually, <laughs> uh, because I am pure of heart. Unlike unlike incels or whatever, they 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 may be like chased in act, but not in thought. Unlike me, I only think about how good racism is. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm not a comedian. Uh, I don't know any of this kind of stuff, but I I do do philosophy, and I can say uh, it's not really that outlandish a thing yeah. to say in philosophy as in it may be outlandish to everyone else in the real world <laughs> but it will be published in philosophy journals mm. 
I, I'm not saying it's like bad for philosophy. What I'm saying is like it's yeah, it's, it's, for, just, it's from the armchair. Yeah, it, it's from the armchair. But also, when your whole career is actually built on writing newspaper articles that like say that you know date rape isn't really a crime, mm. then I think you have to again something he did. Uh, then what you have to do also is you have to like look at what his philosophical project is. Yeah, and, and I see and this. Also, he was is, never what I'm an academic is, philosopher. He was never a serious yeah. philosopher. He was at best a pop philosopher who uh, only existed to do these, you know, these weird uh, editorials that are fodder to people like us. Yeah, but what I what I what I'm what I'm getting at here is that you have to look, at, I think, at his philosophical project as fundamentally negative. You have to look at it as Fundam as as arising in reaction to the idea that say um, women are more liberated from you know the control of of husbands and fathers and stuff, and you have to then look at his project of looking at what chastity is as well, the reason he's so sort of weird and like Aristotelian about these like there's a virtue that has a true form and a perverted form or whatever is that he is trying to write philosophy that says no actually mm. no this is nothing. And that, that's why I see it as sort of so intellectually bankrupt, because his method is just to look at something and to say, well, the good version of this is the thing that says the thing I don't like is bad. Damn, okay. he, should, he should have gotten into postmodernism because he would have been on more oh, solid ground. He would have been on more solid ground as a postmodernist to be like, actually, the clitoris doesn't exist. <laughs> Nathan, uh, a famous trend on this show is we bring on experts to tell Riley he's wrong. So if Riley is wrong in this regard, it's okay to tell him that. But uh, I'm just interested in the idea that the British sort of media cultural establishment required this guy to basically be there to justify where everything I like is good and everything I don't like is bad, but not in the sense of it being an opinion, but rather being like hearkening to this, you know, this like solid ideal that basically, you know, if you transgress it, you're somehow like intellectually inferior. Well, let me speak to the first part. I think uh, if you read through his academic and public texts, uh, there is a dearth of any citations, evidence, and argument. And it's systemic. And it's not particularly novel. A number of assertions are just made and then left hanging without any follow-up. That's, again, not really new at all. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to what function it serves in sort of pushing forward a narrative, uh, yeah. Again, it's, it's not very new. Now that he's dead, someone else is going to do it. And it will continue forever. You're, you're Promethean and I'm gonna have to read it. <laughs> yeah, with, with I'm going to have to read it. Yes. And I've, I'm looking for my next fix. <laughs> I will find it. We'll find something yeah. for you. And also, I will read it. All of my knuckles that I appear to have gotten that at least somewhat right. But we'll move on. Uh, so this is Scruton's actual background. Uh, so he says, and this is from an obituary and prospect that you shared. I came from a background where culture wasn't very significant. There no, he, you came from a, ca a background where the culture was a, of a kind that you didn't respect. Yes. The, the, uh, there is a difference. Uh, there, weren't, there weren't many books around, and we never went to the theater or anything like that. Books and theater are the only kinds of culture. Yeah. Uh, just when, when my dad was down pit, he never ever like talked about uh, fucking Tosca, you know? <laughs> so, uh, wait, is that the Oscar or Tosca? Tosca, the, uh, the, the opera. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you fell for it. I love the idea of his dad actually being the secretly cultured miner who's carving like Corinthian columns into the rock so, face. So, ja so his father, Jack Scruton, was, as you say, Nate, uh, a, a working class guy who actively despised the upper classes. And yeah, when, Ro when Roger said he was going to Cambridge, his father never spoke to him again. <laughs> his I mean, dad was fed smoker. <laughs> so... If you're listening to this, hey, Dad, I'm going to Cambridge, and you just called him a chomo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to, I know you're going to bring it up later, but in a way, that sort of makes more sense than the um, the what's it called uh, the Rod Dreher epistemology, where basically he likes fancy things. He tries to make his family eat bula best, and they tell him he's an idiot. They're like, <laughs> "What is this shit?" Like him, his dad hating him because he became a class enemy. That can that at least makes sense. Yes, I don't true. like Rod Dreher, but his family does seem a little bit shittier in that regard. Yeah, maybe, true. maybe for all we know, this guy's dad was Enrique Ferrari, the um, the Argentinian subway cleaner who just writes novels in his off hours. You know, so. You um you mentioned Rod Dreher, Nate. Um, I now have a passage from Rod Dreher's blog. Oh, uh, no. Something we've we've never done on this show before, actually. Read from Rod Dreher's blog. 
That's more that's more Chapo territory, but this is too perfect and I couldn't pass it up. We're, we're going into Chapo territory. Yeah, <laughs> we're, go, we're, we're going into Chapo territory and rescuing a Rod Dreher post. Uh, so, uh, he, we, 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 we begin. Mostly, I wanted to say in this space how grateful I am to have spent time with Roger Scruton in his library at the farm drinking tea and talking. Let me say that Roger Scruton lives exactly like you want Roger Scruton to live. Well, not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Surrounded by books, a well-used armchair, a piano, a worn oriental carpet, a Labrador retriever, (sighs) chickens in the tall grass, and a dearly loved wife bringing a tray of milky tea to this converted 18th century barn. I'm going to fucking vomit. So he was just... uh, It's important for you to remember that aesthetically he was a weird English guy, like in that movie we saw for the Patreon episode way back. Yes. He had some kind of exotic pet. (laughs) Uh, And the barn was filled with cool, clean country air and a spirit of tranquility, modesty, and contentment. Really, you're not adding that in. You're you're not adding that in. That is... That's what he said. Okay. The spirit of modesty. So Rod, so Roger Scruton didn't show you his dick in the barn. <laughs> well, no, also, because he would have had to have taken the chastity cage off. Yeah. Also, you know the modesty that comes with like magisterially pronouncing that every at all, the prevailing social direction of change is wrong. Well, without also any basis the, also or the cool, clean country air that comes with a lifetime of smoking. Yeah. For me, Rod Dreher says, it was a presentiment of paradise. Oh, I am grateful. Um, Roger Scruton was a hurry. Cool. <laughs> also, I love the idea. I mean, this was on a former plantation. You mentioned no, this, this was in, in England. This was oh, in it was Wiltshire. in England. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I thought it was on his did, home did, in America. A, a site of a different and not as bad uh, process of industrial exploitation. Um, so, also, like, think back to Grenfell. Mm-hmm. Morons mm-hmm. like Scruton and Dreher, they all want society to be this pleasant. It's just they They're bemoan the actual working, actively working to make yeah. that less and less possible for anybody else. Yeah, and so what? What? It's so it, I feel like if you bring that that if you bring that philosophy to his logical conclusion, you get Grenfell could have been avoided by a culture of barn raising instead of everyone sagging their pants. That's basically <laughs> the er. That's what that is. What they think is good, and that's why they worship all of these sort of prelapsarian um like uh, pastoral uh like lives for themselves well, i mean i also they like hate the anything of, that would make it happen he basically sees british post-war housing and says see people died in this therefore modernity is bad mm. <laughs> well, nobody ever think, died yeah. in like farms ever i do think there is definitely something going on with the fact that uh he really doesn't like things that he thinks are ugly and that's what matters the most to him and mm. so he doesn't you know he likes superficial things, and yes. that but is the, just the it. Problem, the problem with uh, postmodernism and socialism and things of that nature is that they're all uh, effetes and they're esthetes, and they don't, you know, whatever. Uh, they, instead of caring about, like, material realities, they all just care about, like, the aesthetic of things. Unlike me, as I, like, gently pat my, like, worn Labrador Retriever rug or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so they just, basically, these freaks all just want every town to become the town from midsummer of its own accord. Um, so, Rod Dreher can finishes. Now, as I write, it is dusk, and the cattle are lowing on the hillside. Oh, fuck off. Rod, Rod Dreher does W.H. Jordan is the thing I wanted least in this life. One Stop of- all the fucking clocks. <laughs> One of my children is crying. One of my boys, overcome by the sorrow that we will have to say farewell to this good place and these good people. Uh, Please, Roger Scruton, my son is a pussy. Help him defend Western civilization. Son's crying. Cheers. (laughs) My son is crying. Mm. My son is crying Uh. because of all of the well-worn books and the fact that there's no one here with rims. Imagine crying about some fucking nerd like this instead of someone cool like Fed Smoker. You know? <laughs> but so, um, oh, the, the other thing I want to say about Dr- uh, Scruton Dreher comparison is that Scruton yeah, also shares. Nixon. 
Scruton also shares Dreher's preoccupation with the idea that Satan is intervening directly in the real world. Well, of course, because they're both, they're, both fucking, they're both Dr. Orpheus, right? They're all, they all have a selection of beautiful capes and they all are convincing themselves that they're doing spells. And like, it, when this guy died, his like neck snapped under the weight of like so many fucking amulets. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to read, I'm going to read a passage from um, well, one of Scruton's uh, books. This is on conservatism. Brands? Oh, yeah. no. Uh, so, this is bit talking about his experience of 68 in yes. Paris. Uh, so, Foucault, uh, Le, Le Moe et les Choses, uh, is the Bible of the 68. The text seemed to justify every form of transgression by showing that obedience is merely defeat. In this artful book, composed with a satanic mendacity, selectively <sighs> appropriating facts in order to show that culture and knowledge are nothing but the, quote, discourses of power, the book is not a work of philosophy, but an exercise in rhetoric. Oh, yeah, Mr. True Chastity just knows the difference uh, between those things. Uh. Its goal is subversion, not truth, and it is careful to argue the old, by the old nominalist sleight of hand that was surely invented by the father of lies <laughs> that truth requires inverted commas. Well, Aristotle is Satan? Yeah. <laughs> or Foucault what? is Satan. Uh. Yeah, Foucault is Satan, baby. Postmodernists are just like little. If you actually scratch a postmodernist, you find like a little imp with a with a tail and a <laughs> trident. But so, can you speak more to this, Nathan? His belief that some postmodernism is literally Satanism acting in the world. Well, as I can say, someone who's read through uh, Aristotle, uh, one of the people who brought forward nominalism, which apparently has an influence on Foucault. Uh, yes, this is true. Uh, these mm. are the facts, yeah. and it doesn't matter that in that passage nothing is cited whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, Roger well, Scruton wrote it. How do you, how do you it. cite the existence of the father of lies? Uh, I'll tell you how, Alice. Bible, mm. comma, the. <laughs> yes. Y y y you know what it's going to be? It's going to be my favorite academic footnote. This was revealed to me in a dream. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is one. That actually is a academic footnote. Yes. In a, yeah, it, it's so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the idea, though, because this is a, a, a truly powerful banter or posting style, if you want to call it that, to be able to just, to not just do the usual trope of saying that your, your ideological enemies are the enemies of Western civilization, but to say that they literally are the agents of the devil itself. Like, it, it, obviously, like, okay, two, three centuries ago, maybe a little bit more common, but in a way, like, is this just an affectation, or do you, do you think he actually genuinely believed it? I think, I think both he and Rod genuinely were doing some amulet <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think <laughs> yeah. he believed, to the very end, that he was a powerful mage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Level 75 druid. Yeah, he, uh, he, was, he was fighting Foucault, who, like, with the shaved head and everything, was clearly, yeah. like, serving the left-hand path... Uh, and he was he was engaged in spiritual psychic warfare, and then he got over yeah. because he died. The problem so he is lost. The, the, the problem is that Ro Roger Scruton uh, didn't control his DPS and kept pulling aggro. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just love the idea too of Rod Dreher somehow inventing his own like syncreticism because he's trying to mix Eastern Orthodoxy with I don't know fucking Santeria. <laughs> he's just like sacrificing chickens in his closet, oh, yeah. like Azalea Banks because he wants to ward <laughs> off the demons of the Grenfell Tower. Or yeah, something like just, that. please more columns. Fuck. So here is his. Uh, here is. The, some of his work on music and dancing. Must uh, we? <laughs> here is a line from the blurb of his book, Understanding Music. Scruton's continued fascination with Wagner provides much interesting content. No. Yeah, I'm mm. sure it does, though. Yeah. No. This guy was just saying the quiet part loud for 50 years. <laughs> He's just, we all love Wagner. Yeah, he just loved Wagner. He just independently loved to go to Bayreuth. And yeah, yeah it's just fine. Uh, you know, it's, uh, he, he, just, he just likes to appreciate the back rooms of army surplus no, stores. I love it. Rod, Rod Dreher being like, yes, his beautiful idyllic farmhouse with its closet that I couldn't go in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I love the idea that Rod was too pure for the forbidden closet of mystery, which was 100% filled with Nazi shit. Just all iron crosses. <laughs> knowing it's him, just, it would be a humidor, though. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just, you just later open stuff. the door and like iron crosses just spill out like snow that's packed <laughs> against it. Just like slapstick iron yeah. cross clubbered. So in this book about music, he also claimed that no electronic music artist ever actually did ever made any music ever. And he claimed directly that the Pet Shop Boys didn't even actually make any of the music on their albums at all. So uh, this is personal for you, Riley, because he has tarnished uh, your favorite kind of music. 
Yes, I also particularly love the Petra boys. I think they're great. And what I really enjoy about this story is that after he made that baseless claim in his academic book or allegedly academic book, they just sued him in one. <laughs> and they remaindered the rest. Mm. <laughs> it's true. They pulped it. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, it's a rare yeah. find. I'm still trying to hunt one down that's signed. Yeah, the, 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 pet shop, the pet shop boys basically did beep boop music so hard that <laughs> like they no pulped a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, solidarity the no, to the pet shop boys who fucking rule and who are still going to Bergheim regularly like in their late middle age. I just love yeah. the idea that this guy had such a powerful brain that could you know hold up the, this humbling columns of Western civilization, but the guys who wrote Can You Forgive Her owned him completely. Uh. <laughs> so here's a quote, a quote of his uh, he said to an interviewer I'm not as prejudiced as I seem about pop music uh, just I would about like, everything else <laughs> I would like to be more prejudiced because it would prevent me from listening to this stuff okay so he then goes on to say uh, he found himself enjoying quote quite a bit of heavy metal which led him to conclude that Metallica were genuinely talented the worst metal bands yeah, son uh, oh he's, he's a hit <laughs> only good metal band he's a hipster Basically, he's like, damn, all these every everyone else in their in their 60s and 70s like swag shit. I'm the only one who really likes metal. I was born in the wrong era. Yeah, I'm I 67 mean, and I like real music. I love the idea, too, that I mean, was there any qualification on which which strain of Metallica he yeah. liked? Because I love the like, imagine later Metallica. Exactly. He's, yeah. just, he's on there like like YouTube commenting how we love St. Anger just massively. Uh, yeah. I just I mean, wish he was into Mersbo. Yeah, you, the reason why the reason why I think Roger Scruton would like Metallica is that it's is that it's music that it's sort of metal is pretty complicated and it sort of excludes a lot of people because not intentionally but a lot of metal like excludes people who like just normal stuff it's, like it's, pop it's or also whatever. very racist. Well, it's also a lot he, of it's extremely yeah. racist. I'm surprised he didn't mention Pantera. Mm. But that's what I mean, right? He's he's a hipster. He likes it because he knows the stupid teeny boppers don't like it. He just never got over any of that. I don't know. It's just weird. I mean, and, and Nathan, we're probably close in, close in age, but I remember when Metallica was like the clear channel choice of like the, the you have uh, where I'm from. The radio station at one point did a thing where like every every night they just did like 20 minutes of Metallica every night because it was some kind of weird endorsement deal they called mm -hmm. mandatory Metallica. So the idea that there's something in any way countercultural about Metallica just makes me laugh. I mean, they're the people who basically ruined Napster for my generation. There is to him because it's not pop. Mm. But it he, is. I mean, he doesn't see it yeah, as pop. Okay, it, it it absolutely is. I mean, yeah. uh, also what makes me laugh too is that I mean, Roger Scruton having written this treatise on modesty and chastity. If I'm not mistaken, one of Metallica's first EPs, if not uh, their absolute first, was literally called "Metal Up Your Ass," <laughs> and the album cover was a cartoon toilet with a dagger coming out. I'm just, I'm just really into cataloging. I'm just very into the like different facets. Uh, I, as I hold up this beautiful crystal in my mind and turn it of Roger Scruton being into one metal band, but it's a different metal band. So I'm like, I'm very into tool Roger Scruton. Right now. <laughs> Come on, everyone knows we like trapped Roger Scruton. Like every time he's about to write an article, he'd listen to Headstrong. Or like hair metal, so like anthrax Roger Scruton. <laughs> so he also confessed to finding Elvis irresistible, although he said it's all below the belt with Elvis. Oh, what? Yo, what's uh, up? Say that again. He well, said it's well, all below well, the I belt with Elvis. He was a pedophile. <laughs> so, um, wait, who's a pedophile? Elvis. I mean, Elvis, married, Elvis is when he got married to his first wife, I think she was like 14, yeah. God, everyone's a fucking pedophile. <laughs> right. So, I now have two readings. One is from Roger Scruton, and one is from someone else. I'm going to read both, and then you're going to tell me who wrote what, and who wrote the second one. Okay. Once the young people have been jerked into motion in this way, uh, a vestigial desire for partnership is naturally aroused since the music suggests sexual emotions and sexual union. Hence, they will tend to pair off so as to pulsate face to face, not usually looking at each other and certainly not speaking, but acutely aware, nevertheless, of each other's bodies as things replete with movement and governed by the machine. Their bodies become sexual objects, void of personality, since personality is a relational idea, and no relation exists in the dance floor except that between bodies. Hence, when this kind of dancing happens, it is very disturbing to see children or old people joining in. Before we guess, I'm going to read the second one. Okay. The dance floor was lit with red and yellow and blue lights and a few white lamps, and they danced to the tunes of the gramophone, and the dance floor was replete with tapping feet, enticing arms, uh, enticing legs, arms wrapped around waist, lips pressed to lips, chest pressed to chest. The atmosphere was full of desire. 
Uh, when the minister descended from his office, he looked intently around the place and at the people and encouraged those men and women still sitting who had not yet participated in this circus to rise and take part. And as he noticed that the white lamp spoiled the romantic, dreamy atmosphere, he set about with that typical American elegance and levity, dimming them all one by one, all the while being careful not to interfere with the dance or bump into any couples dancing on the dance floor. So, I would like you to guess for me, first of all, who wrote each of those two passages? Syed Kutub. <laughs> <laughs> Correct! The first passage was Roger Scruton, the second passage was Syed Kutub. I was so proud when I found out. Uh, yeah. I knew both of them. That's incredible. <laughs> Syed Kutub and Roger Scruton have, like, the identical criticisms of dancing. Yeah, but Syed Kutub was more normal. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Syed Kutub was just, like, like a horny leg guy. Yeah, he, he doesn't, like, try to apply any philosophy to it, which already <laughs> puts him higher in my books. Yeah. So what do I win? <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck me. Damn, that's yeah, incredible. Come on. You, you, win this, you win this Syed Kutub signed copy of the Quran. <laughs> you, you, you win a Syed Kutub koozie to keep your cold drinks cold and your hot drinks hot. Here I'm from just chilling Shamo Shake. I'm so excited. So it's my P.O. box. <laughs> okay. I also just love the idea that Syed Kutub was scandalized by seeing, you know, college students dancing at the University of Colorado in the 1950s. In, in Greeley, in Greeley, Colorado, a town that entirely smells of pig. <laughs> also, the, the funniest historical detail of this, uh, Nathan, you probably know this, but does anyone know the song they were dancing to that he's yeah, referencing? Yeah, I know this. I know this. I th I, I think I think you know. okay. You okay, don't so know this. No, I don't. I, I, no, I, don't. I don't. It was baby. It's cold outside. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Anyway, oh, so that is so I'm that envisioning is envisioning it right now. That, so Roger Scruton equals side cutive. It's been proven here on Trash Future first. <laughs> so he was also a shill. Uh, he wrote numerous articles in defense of smoking throughout the 1990s, uh, being paid 4,500 pounds a month by Japan Tobacco International. Damn, that's the a only good grift. The only reason this was found out is that he demanded a thousand pound pay rise uh, in order saying that he was still good value compared to an actual PR firm. And what he would do is he would write two articles a month in reputable outlets or get other people to do it about why things like McDonald's is worse than smoking and you shouldn't ban smoking. You should ban McDonald's. Mm. Um, he then wrote a letter to The Guardian saying, quote, uh, there was a scandal about this and he lost tons and tons of teaching positions and sinecures and all the grifty no-work jobs that he's had throughout his life, he lost them. So he then said, uh, rent public and said, the real scandal is that the email should never have been stolen and used as part of your shut up scrutin campaign. <laughs> oh yeah, well then uh, I shouldn't trust you because you were looking at my phone. I, I, I wonder how many other things we're going to find out were just bought and paid for from uh, like various opinion columns. I'm looking forward to like all of the things about the trans debate. It turns out that somebody was just getting 4,500 quid a month from somebody else. That's going to be wild. That somebody else is the Heritage Foundation, by the way? Yeah. Mm. Oh, no, I absolutely believe it. I mean, I, I, I think about this sometimes, the weird, the weird uncanny, uh, like, partnership that exists between nightmare American evangelical Christian organizations and liberal feminist writers in the United Kingdom for yeah, some reason. It's, it's, it's a strange handshake, isn't in it? In a way, it makes Metallica and Roger Scruton not seem that much of an odd couple. <laughs> or side cut him in Roger Scruton. <laughs> so, anyway, after this fiasco, uh, he then moved to an old southern plantation house in America. James Madison's old house. Cool. So, you know, he's just the guy that, you know, Praises Enoch Powell and owns Enoch Powell's old coat and lives in a slave plantation. Side cut of welcoming Roger Scruton to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. This, wait, wait, wait. Hey, it's, it's fine to dance up here. Yeah, uh, uh, like on that note, uh, when it comes to that, uh, did anyone else remember when there was a lot of issues about uh, having weddings take place over at Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How about just living at a plantation? That's so <sighs> fucked. I mean, he must have been doing so much maid shit to, like, <laughs> ward off ghosts and stuff. I mean, uh, let's just think of this. He would wake up in the morning, put on Enoch Powell's hunting jacket, 
Blast yeah. Wagner and <laughs> like walk around si- James wearing, Madison's like, slave six, house. Wearing I mean, like six Freemason aprons at the same time. And one of his last acts of sort of like public outrage was defending Victor Orban. It's just, you have to be like, you have to have the memory of a goldfish to look at this stuff and be like, wow, what a weird coincidence. Just, this just keeps just, happening. He, he yeah. was doing the uh, Adomian Chapo Gorka thing of just like doing like weird ceremonies with like like swords and blood for the Vitezi Rend. <laughs> so he also had a lot of secret am I being detained energy that connected to the way he reacted to the um, uh, uh, scandal about him being a shill for tobacco companies. Because um, you know, his whole reaction was exactly the am I being detained guy, which is, uh, you know, this is not a legal kill in Indian soil. You're, you are not allowed. There's fringes on the flag. You can't mm. see my phone. Because the real he, scandal he, is he that was, I got caught. He was, he was a libertarian, right? Like that was so, his, yeah. So uh, this is an, an, a, another obi- from another obituary about him by Christina Hoff Summers. Oh, uh, I love her. Yeah. She's incredible. The Quillette's favorite feminist. Um, and so here it, here it goes. We, uh, so this is when they were driving around America, presumably from one of their plantations to another oh, plantation. The, the most cursed field trip since Mike Lee and Black and uh, 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 Megan McCain. McCain. Megan McCain, so, yes. We were pulled over for the victimless crime of my expired license plate. <laughs> Which uh. said merely kill cops. <laughs> <laughs> so the officer asked for uh, his driver's license. Roger reached deep into his book bag. And called extracted- him a chomo several times within the space of a minute. <laughs> Roger fed smoker. Oh, Roger- I hate this. I hate th- we've made this. I'm afraid that's the episode title, Alice. I'm sorry. I hate you so much. Uh, You're not my real dad. <laughs> he extracted a huge faded manuscript. And carefully <laughs> unfolded it on the, the, de- the, on the, the dashboard for the officer to review. Just like reading him the Quran. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like the Magna Carta. The officer was stunned. Sir, this is not a recognized license in the District of Columbia. Oh no, Roger politely replied. And then everyone clapped. <laughs> and then uh, God, God struck me down. That's, yeah. that's the thing. She tells this story and either it happened. And in this case, What? So, yeah. Or she's just making this all so, up. Oh no, Roger politely replied. My village council assured me this was valid throughout the world. <laughs> there has been no time in English legal history when village councils issued driver's licenses. So this is just didn't you happen. You can ride his horse and carriage wherever he wants. Yeah. Also, the Magna Carta just set out the rights of certain barons against one particular king. Yeah, Simon de Montfort could drive his Lincoln Town car wherever the fuck he wanted. So just, just so I understand this correctly, I thought she was comparing it to the Magna Carta. It no. was actually the Magna Carta. Yes. You m- no, can you read it again? I'm pretty sure she compares it. No, it's a, it looks like the Magna Carta, but I, if it's a big parchment, I think she's yeah. heavily that's, implying that's, that it's a copy of the Magna well, it's, Carta. It's, it's ambiguous. It could mean that it's just like a big old document. Yeah, we need to get into the exegesis of this yeah. passage. It's really yeah. important. <laughs> We need to figure out whether or not it's actually the Magna Carta. Fucking sovereign citizen Rashomon over here. I think, look, if anyone is is likely to carry, or is anyone likely to tell a story? (laughs) If anyone is likely to tell a big story about carrying the Magna Carta around because it's all about freedom and whatever, this fits with the character he wants to, because the thing is, it never happened. Obviously, yeah. so it never was or wasn't the Magna Carta. She's just heavily allowing you to heavily imply that this non-existent document that he wasn't carrying around when he wasn't stopped by a cop was the Magna Carta, or that he can do Ben Kenobi mind control powers on the DC police somehow. <laughs> Turns a Chinese by, menu by, into he, the Magna Carta yeah. by, by charming them with his is, Britishness. Yeah, I love that the implication of this is that he is worth eulogizing. This is worth including in an encomium towards him that he was able to outwit a DC cop. So he says he threatened to arrest Roger on the spot, but Roger kept pointing to the sections in the document that supported his case. Damn, lawyered. Yeah, you know, again, like like the bit about w- like which barons are allowed to independently collect. It, it, the Magna Carta is specifically about that. If a black person in DC tried this, uh, we, would this would gone... be in their obituary. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so the officer, on the other hand, uh, let us go in exasperation. Roger ever <laughs> fuck. Fuck hell. Incidentally, um, I, I am I'm suddenly reminded of my 
favourite and one of precious few examples of the rule of law working, which is a portrait mode filmed video uh, of the DC Metro Police being forced to give a black man back his gun because he had a concealed <laughs> carry license, and his friends laughing in their faces. Sorry, I, uh, I, I, I'm afraid I let you all down. It does say towards the end of this, this is, Roger ever held that his pastoral British license on US highways, well, maybe a living testament to the Anglo-American rule of law. Maybe metaphorical. But again, and- it's, I, I don't understand, because there there's no, there was never a pastoral English license that you unfold no. like uh, a parchment. He, he, either this simply didn't happen, or he made this himself and was like tea-staining this sheet of A4 <laughs> paper with like, ah, my steam velocipede license. Yeah, whatever it is, it's stupid and backwards and made to impress people who are dumb. Yeah, because he's like, they got this weird sovereign citizen thing. Because they also think they're wizards. And that if you just do the spells in the right order, you can like defeat uh, like uh, the rule of law or whatever. Indeed. So, wizard shit. This guy thought he was a fucking wizard. Now, this, I want to do, I want to go on to one last thing here, or one last big section, because this is meaty. Roger Scruton was also a writer on wine. In fact, he was the new oh, statesman's no. wine columnist. Oh, oh no. It, it, I just, I, we're going to get you a swear jar and a pound for every instance of the word microclimate. No, I will not say that word because I, I, so you're going to have to get me another, another pound which is for the word terroir. Because Roger Scruton loved this concept of terroir, which is the idea that the qualities of the soil of a certain place and that combines with the sense of place of that place. Nah, is, my haplogroups. Is crucial, <laughs> is crucial to the wine of that place. The history, the soil, yeah, all of it gr- works my, together. My, I mean, to be my, my fair, this, this might, might be one of the rarest where you're in agreement with him, Riley, given your no. incredible history of... No, no. This is, that, that's the problem. This is, this, is about, this is about believing like that the fact that this winery has been in the same family for a thousand years and it's, it's got episode this... Episode one of Picard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. It, got it. Got it. And got it's it. a belief about the combination of that with the certain qualities of the soil, not in terms of like how it drains a certain way, or not in the sense of it is loose enough to grow grapes, no, and that it has climatic ma- conditions. Because he's a but rather, but rather, but rather, but rather that oh, there's something magic about the soil yes. of Burgundy. Yes, so it's like he is historicity, basically. Yes. Yes. So yes. it's like Roger Scruton is the wine guy from the Man in the High Castle. And so I hate this approach to wine because I think it just. Uh, because yeah. it's all about obfuscating that anything new can ever be done. You, you, what are you, you talking are, you about? I'm between. sorry, but Sam Neill crushes all the grapes by himself. <laughs> That's why I get that wine. That's why I so, get my so Jurassic Park wine. Th- there's two poles of uh, winology here. On the one hand, there is like this kind of high Tory terroir stuff. And then on the other, there is uh, Caleb Harper trying to build a Perspex box that <laughs> generates champagne. And they both suck for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I particularly find Roger Scruton's annoying. Uh, before we go into this article, which is one fucking hell of an article, uh, there's a quote from his book on Understanding Wine. Uh, not book, Understanding Wine, rather. Uh, some dumb title that I hate. Um, and he's talking about uh, the wines from one particular region of France called Maliol. And he says that the name is important to the taste of the wine because he says, Roll the name Malial in your mouth while imagining well-shaped buttocks and well-matured wine, and you won't be far from the taste. That's a spell. This is a spell. You <laughs> write the name down on and like roll it up in some paper, and you bury it at a crossroads. Uh, th- th- this- Dude, a s. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea because you know people get so so into imagery and these strange associations with the flavors of wine. A douche is like, yeah, no, 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 like no. This tastes like ass in the sense that it conjures up an ass in front of you. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh, when you drink this wine and think of a butt, yeah, you'll get it. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like like we go back to it. Roger Scruton is just a guy. He's he is feelings don't care about your facts, guy. He's just hmm. all of my feelings are actually universalizable. I'm going to write a million treatises on them because this stupid country won't tell me to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a strange... And I'm not saying the Americans don't have it too, but the British people particularly seem to have this idea that a guy like Roger Scruton could could have a career as a... I can't even believe I'm saying the word weenologist. I feel like I'm talking... Like, ah. This is like... This is like a professor of the Nintendo Wii from 2002, but a, a career as an amateur weenologist basically being like, if you drink this wine, you'll be as horny as me. And British people were like, oh, yes, this man's an expert somehow. Oh, he oh, has the right oh, accent. Yeah, there, there, a there is only one good, weenolo- on, yeah. one good weenological contribution, and it's Orson Welles' uh, Paul Masson <laughs> commercial. 
<laughs> I'm French excellent. Um, you know, and also a weenologist is just a uh, a connoisseur of the band Ween. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, 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 are you going to keep Weenophile Hunter as your screen name? Yes, forever. It's my favorite screen name I've ever done. It's the permanent one now. So this is an article he wrote about wine in 2003. Guess what he's justifying in this no, 2003 no, 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 wine no, no, column. No, no, oh, absolutely, no. absolutely, the war in Iraq. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Of course. Yes! How could it not be? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't enjoy this idea. Uh, if there's anything that you could just, you can guess very easily of that year when it comes to weirdly crypto fascist conservatives, it's that. There are those who believe American hostility to Iraq has oil as its cause. Well, could have ended the article there. Yeah, kind of <laughs> done. The, the oh. most perceptive geopolitical thing was that gamer webcomic that was like George Bush saying, I don't even like oil, and then at home in the White House taking off his shirt to reveal a t-shirt that just says, I heart oil. <laughs> so, uh, there are those who believe American hostility to Iraq has oil as its cause. Wishful thinking, surely. Nevertheless, oil is the kind of thing that people fight over. So, they in two sentences, he's just kind of contradicting. Oh, whatever. Yeah, he's, he was drunk. Mm, yeah, true. But Hitchens was drunk, and he usually made more sense. He was just being a piece of shit. Uh, they fight over minerals just as they fought over Helen of Troy. They since want to mineral fuck the minerals. <laughs> since minerals, like women, are non-renewable. What is what? What? <laughs> what? Don't make any more uh, women. Women, women are non-renewable. I mean, uh, tell uh, it to my uh, surgeon, dude. <laughs> you can't make look. Women are like it's like matter and thermodynamics. You can either create or destroy women. Like all we're the broads were created we're 10 million years ago by some pressure under the soil, all right? There's no more of them. There's, when it runs out, you hit peak broad. <laughs> he got too drunk and he confused oil and women, <laughs> like we all do. Yeah. Look, as an expert in Scruton's academic work, I have to say, bringing me on here is an affront, and I take great offense. <laughs> <sighs> so, but it's true. <laughs> look, it's true. Women aren't renewable. They don't make any more of them. There's never been a daughter. But look, daughters are myths. Women aren't real. Um, but they do not fight over wine since wine is a renewable resource. Invade the producer and you lose the product. Trade with him peacefully and you are supplied from year to year. Uh, didn't a bunch of French vineyards have a bunch of uh, like almost non-existent harvests because the Germans did, in fact, invade the producer? Uh, yeah, well, you know, you have to accept for that. Oh, I, uh, and also, uh, accept uh -huh. for all of those wars in history that have been fought over access to, like, agricultural land, a lot of which was used for growing gra uh, like grapes between France and Germany, you also have to exclude that. Uh -huh. The same kinds of wars um, that were sort of between and then on behalf of Austria and Hungary, again, over very fertile grape-growing land, you have to exclude those. Oh, um, don't forget the wars in the, between the Italian city-states that, again, were over access to agricultural land, a lot of which was used to grow grapes. You have to forget those, too. Um, aside from all those, it's true. It's war has never been fought over wine mm, because alcohol famously makes people less combative. <laughs> um, wine growing is both the effective piece and its cause. He just motherfucker. I mean, he I just love the said idea what that I said, but dumber. That all all of the the British publishing establishment has been hoodwinked by a guy that's basically the racist version of the dude from the Dosakis commercial about the world's most interesting man. But like his ad copy is worse in real life than that guy's. Search the world for belligerents, and you'll also find the wine haters. It's fermented in a bottle, and like the finest <laughs> champagne, it's vintage dated. Guess what? Guess who he identifies as the wine haters, who also were the cause of the world's belligerents, oh, the Muslims. Muslims. Oh, oh yes. Ayatollah Khomeini's first act on returning to stir up hatred in Iran was to smash the wine cellars. I'm not sure that's true. The yeah, he got off the plane. The mm. Taliban, Bin Laden, and the Muslim Brotherhood are similarly minded. Uh, the Hezbollah. What? The Hezbollah. The Hezbollah. Don't, don't occupy the Bekaa because of Chateau Musar. Admittedly, one of my favorite vineyards is me no, personally, no, right? But they do they do occupy the Bikar because it provides very fertile ground for growing another kind of intoxicant. Like it's just a, an opium poppy plantation. Yep. It just yeah. this is very stupid. 
uh, and o- opium makes you fight. Uh, wine uh, makes yeah, you of course. talk. Yeah, yeah as we yeah. all know from the assassins. Yeah, I mean, to yeah. be fair, heroin Roger Scruton would be an interesting energy. But Rory I mean, Stewart. Rory Stewart. Oh fuck, <laughs> fuck me. That was that was synchronicity right there. Uh, <laughs> the, the Hezbollah. Odd use of the definite uh, article. Don't, don't occupy the Bekaa because of Chateau Musar. If they did, peace would become quickly to southern Lebanon. Um. So, did en- if- do you think anything else has happened in southern Lebanon besides <laughs> Hezbollah and wine? Yeah, like there's that there was a there was a guy Haddad, but I'm pretty sure he's just the father of those models. Gigi Haddad doing doing his part to like renew the women. Yeah, um, and as and the best way to destroy Saddam would be to pump Europe's wine lake into the Iraqi water supply. But Saddam wasn't even an Islam. All of the Ba'ath Party guys just had entire desk drawers full of Johnny Walker. Iraq was like famously you could get lots of liquor if you want. They had, they had government-run liquor stores. Yeah, yeah, but like, Roger it was Scruton, like fucking Vancouver. Roger Scruton thinks that the Ba'ath Party and the Muslim Brotherhood are the same thing. Of course, well, see, uh, that, that was in vogue. Because when, when 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 Iraqi government liquor stores sold gin and tonics in a can, that was vulgar. They weren't mm-hmm. drinking the finest wines of southern Lebanon or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, they, were, they, they weren't having some some nice chateau Ksara. Mm. Um, look, Lebanese. Okay, I'm not going to say the, the word. Is, I'm not going to say the word. Lebanese wine is super good. There, there is there is a theological argument here that uh, if you are a Less than strict Muslim, but you still want to pay lip service to the idea that you shouldn't drink alcohol. You just point out that you can translate the word khamr in the Quran as wine, and therefore you can drink anything that isn't wine. So he, in that tiny, small respect, he is onto something. Uh, yeah. And no further. So it, he says... We should pump Europe's wine lake into a, or the Iraqi water supply again because history isn't real. It's like it almost goes back to like the whole chastity thing. Just, just a giant in- trench full of wine just rotting into the topsoil. <laughs> but that's the other thing, right? He'll just say something. He'll just sort of assert it on the basis that like I I think that women's liberation has gone too far, and I'm going to define chastity in a way that sort of aligns itself with that. Or I'm going to say that all Muslims are basically the same. And I'm going to make my argument that they could use a bit of like loosening up with booze on the basis of never distinguishing between any of them. They're all one lump and just, mass. Just, just very into the idea of a bath party guy just like opening his briefcase and by accident 50 bottles of whiskey spill out. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, for wine is a weapon of mass instruction, which teaches us all to oh, relax. Oh damn, fucking rock against bush over here. Wine demands conversation. And since the art of conversation is dying... The only thing that most people can do when presented with an expensive bottle is to talk about it. This has given rise on that phone. This has given rise to the wine bore. But who would not prefer the wine bore with his head full of harmless knowledge to the war bore with his dangerous and unfounded opinions? And he's not using the wine column to justify the invasion of Iraq in the way that you thought he was, because here's where he justifies it. Here, then, is what you should do next time one of your ad- guests begins to address the topic of the day being Iraq about which he is sure to know nothing, unless, of course, he's a member of the government with access to information that the rest of us, in any case, ought not to have. Open a bottle of peace-perpetrating vino and ask the war bore what he thinks of the wine. Indicate that you went to a great deal of trouble and expense in securing this precious sample and that you really want him to enjoy it. Four glasses, as a rule, will be enough to bring home the truth that we elect our government so that they, not us, should make the crucial decisions. Uh, okay. Don't you dare have an opinion on Iraq. There's a there's until you're a, drunk. No, be, yeah. be an alcoholic no, never instead. Have. I mean, yeah. to, to be to be fair, I imagine the people who made the decision to go to war in Iraq probably had more than four glasses of wine mm. when they were sitting around deciding it. But uh, Roger so, Roger Scruton's like, no. If you think the war is bad, uh, shut up. Basically, it's like, so what if you think it's bad, but there's secret evidence you can't see that actually proves it's good? So checkmate libs. Yeah, because yeah. because because that's the the shadow world of mages, and like he has a, this <laughs> spell of quiescence that he's going to uncork for us. <laughs> so, look, I I mean my, my my summation of this right is that Roger Scruton's basic thing is that he believes in magic. Yes, he, he believes in the magic of like an old timey document to stop police harassment. The magic of Foucault to turn young people into Satanists. The magic of a Dora column to somehow stand in the way of a catastrophic tower fire. 
because fundamentally, Roger Scruton has never been able to or willing to perceive any material condition anywhere, which is necessary when your entire worldview is to insist that the powerless are powerful and the powerful are quivering and that you are just driven by resentment. Again, mostly about columns. Yeah, because what, you, what is if you grew up in nothing but material conditions, if you understand it that way, why not escape to this fucking flight of fancy and dreaming spires and uh, just get yourself a series of ever-increasing capes and just throw your life into this horrible, alcoholic morass of lowing cattle and golden retrievers and dismal, dismal, endless smoking and... Imagine what imagine what Roger Scruton's mouth felt like the first oh, no. thing in the morning. I'm not gonna. Uh, so Nathan, yeah. what's what's your position? Uh, I can say as someone who has read most, if not all, of Roger Scruton's output, uh, the man is a superficial man, and there is very little substance other than a deep desire to be loved mm. by his father. Uh, mm-hmm. That his never happened. Father, yeah. who owned him effortlessly. <laughs> I, 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 I owned at birth. I was wondering, because you mentioned earlier, Nathan, that you have to read not just people like Scruton, but also all the other nightmare uh, pop philosopher, cool kid philosophers of the day. Do you feel like Roger Scruton was treated with any more seriousness than your garden variety Ben Shapiro? Well, I don't know. Is Bolsonaro celebrating you after you died? Mm. I mean... Yeah. Uh, you, know, you pick the fascist around today and... Uh, they have said very positive things about him or given personally given him medals right before he died. And uh, I somehow don't think that Ben Shapiro is ever going to receive uh, a medal from uh, Victor Orban. No, ben, ben Shapiro isn't going to get a like a blessed sword that like <laughs> commands its owner to slay Saracen blood or whatever. Yeah, well, I think that's also that's largely because I think you can't overlook the power of of the way that Scruton played an English upper class person for these other people, which they all do. Like there's yeah. five Enoch aristocrats did. left. Yes, Enoch Powell did. Jacob Rees Mogg does. Scruton does. All these motherfuckers do it. I love Christina Hoff Summers. She's like my road trip with Lord Haw Haw, and that's apparently yeah. the fucking thing we remember him for. Yeah. Um. And I think it's there because I think one of these things is like the the thing I couldn't stop thinking about is Walter Benjamin's concept of aura. When I, when I read Roger Scruton. Aura, for Walter Benjamin, is this thing that surrounds an original work of art. It is the connection to time and place and person and location. It is the thing that makes a Van Gogh and a perfect copy of a Van Gogh different. It's, it's, it's a, a social a thing. phenomenon. Yeah. And Aura is, Aura is something that Walter Benjamin attempts to explain why this is. Whereas Roger Scruton just doesn't look at this as something that can be explained or that can be accounted for, just something to be sort of worshipped. And the worship of nostalgia is basically the petrol in the motor of fascism. What I was going to say, too, is the idea that like there's no need to even try to explain the ineffable. You just know it when you see it and you know it's true. And mm. wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we know it's true. That, that same logic will be applied to, oh, we know that you know, race science is real. Mm. Sure. We know we and so as, as just as Roger Scruton can say, I know beautiful things are beautiful and beautiful means Doric columns because I just know it. And all, a lot of people in power just sort of agree with me. And I also able to say that, like, Enoch Powell was right because I just know it. Now, it kind of makes sense why Rod Dreher and statue Twitter coalesce in the way that they do. Mm. I mean, because yeah, really, they're, the all missing following, link. Yeah. they're all following the same model. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Nathan, I think any 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 final conclusions from you on this? on this subject on which you are unfortunately a specialist. I love Roger Scruton. Uh, mm. If I could, I'd recommend checking out his book, uh, The Disappeared, uh, which unfortunately we didn't have a, get a chance to talk about, but is incredible primarily for the book reviews. The book itself is on par with... Uh, who, who is the Prime Minister? Boris Johnson. Boris, Boris Johnson. Uh, Boris Johnson's work of fiction. It's, a, oh, it's on par with that. Virgins. Oh, fucking 72 yeah. Virgins. Yes. Yeah, okay. It's well, up there with that. We're going to um, put this on the list for a, a, a Scruton follow-up. Yeah. We're going to yeah. do it. We're gonna, yeah. We're, it's uh, Asian gang grooming uh, young British girls. Damn, That's I hate when that happens. We will have to, of course, have you back to read that at a later date because it sounds like it deserves a whole episode. However, 
Uh, with all that being said, I want to uh, then say, Nathan, thank you so much for coming uh, to the basement today, for participating in the Guy household, something I was reminded of, but yeah, forgot it's, about. It's been a long time, yeah. It's been a long time since we said Guy household. But I thought we were dudes. leaving them in season one, yeah. Uh, yeah, we actually, yeah. You know what? Let's leave that in season one. Okay. We'll leave okay, it in we, season one. We've retired. Yeah, we, 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 have the, we have the terroir of Guy households now. Guy, <laughs> Guy if you still listen to the show, we have, we have now retired your name as a joke. We won't do it anymore. You have your name back. We're bringing back the Zune user from season zero. <laughs> Zune user, reveal yourself. However, Nathan, I want to thank you so much again for coming on the show before I did all of that other malarkey. Uh, dudes, where can people find you online? You can find me at Nathan Osaroff. Of course, you can't spell that. Uh, so we'll yeah, link it in luck. the description. Yeah, um, and also uh, we are going. This is coming out on. Well, this is going to come out sort of some weeks hence. Um, so don't forget to check out our game stream on Saturday at six, and don't forget to check out our live shows at Bristol Transformed on the fifth of March, sixth of March, sixth of March, sixth of March in Bristol, and on the eleventh of March uh, at Voxel, uh, Voxel Comedy, Comedy Club. Uh, other than that, I do believe. Well, do you mind if I give a shout out or two? Oh, please, please do. shout out. Yeah, shout first it out. First to my partner Puck Ozerov Spicer. You won't hear this because we don't have a subscription. Uh, but I love you, and I'm sorry I'm not home having dinner now with you. <laughs> and also to my friend, uh, literally Anscom over in Canada. I uh, I think you compared this to uh, Chapo UK. Well, <laughs> yes. So with all of those shout outs, shout it out. Uh, and with all of you tucked neatly into your uh, little beds or sat on the toilet at work while being paid to shit. Um, R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. to our man. R.I.P. Mm. to Fed Smoker. F. 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 Press F to Fed Smoker. And I just yes. want you uh, as on this last note to envision what if like his ideological forebear, Roger Scruton managed to inspire an Al Qaeda style group to wage war on the West. <laughs> All from a book he wrote about how college students in Colorado are too horny. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, our theme song is Baby It's Cold Outside. <laughs> oh, bye. All right. Um, we'll see you later, everybody. See you on bye. the free episode. Yep, yeah, bye.